Welcome to the Reluctant Messenger podcast, where we discuss spiritually transformative events, encounters with angels and guides, out-of-body explorations, and much more. This episode originally aired as a video on my YouTube channel, The Reluctant Messenger Unleashed, a virtual book club hosted by Donna Rebido. You can find links to my YouTube channels on my website at CandiceSanderson.com. Hello, Reluctant Messenger Unleashed Nation. Welcome to episode 15 as we wrap up chapter 4, Changing Perspectives. I'm your host, Donna Rabido, and with me is author Candy Sanderson. Welcome back, everyone. Glad everyone could join us today. Let's open our books. Let's go to the top of page 66, and there is a February 2nd, 2015 message. The messengers say, It is time to release stress. It is time to release and reframe what was stressful. Humans need to let go of their hold on stress and learn to allow life force energy to flow through them. Now, Candy, in my psychology class, stress has its own chapter. And we start with the fight-flight response to what's important, real or imagined stress. And my master's thesis for acupuncture was on the efficacy of acupuncture protocols on stress, especially post-traumatic stress. What's amazing to me is the brain doesn't care if the stress is real. It's going to send out its fight-or-flight chemicals, such as adrenaline and cortisol. But I wanted to quote in um, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor's book, one of my favorites, My Stroke of Insight. She talks about the 90-second rule. When faced with the fight-or-flight event, a rush of hormones floods your system, but they wash through and are completely gone in 90 seconds. If you're still in the fight-or-flight, then basically it's a choice. However, your sympathetic nervous system can get stuck in the on position because of how you react to stress. That's why you need some kind of intervention, whether candy, whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional, or otherwise. But what did the messengers tell you about this? This is one of my favorite books, too. When I read it, that part that she talked about, the 90-second rule, jumped out at me because it showed me how much power I had. And I was the one who could determine whether to fight or flight after that 90 seconds had passed. As a psychologist, I knew that the brain doesn't know the difference between events and thoughts of an event. But her book gave me what this chapter talks about, a different perspective. It showed me that I was the one in control. It was up to me. After that 90 seconds passed, I was the one who had to choose whether to keep that or to release that event. The question is, how do we do that? So bringing the messengers, Donna, on the bottom of page 66, the messengers say, take a deep breath when you're stressed and use that time to refocus, to see what is bothering you, what's blocking you. Then reframe the situation through a higher vibrational lens. It's those higher frequencies that will help us when we need to counteract the stress. Because it allows your higher self, your heart, to guide you. And that's what Bolte Taylor is saying without saying it. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And at the end of that section, 
on page 67, they wrote, Something enchanted and mystical happens within this meditative breath. Time stops for a brief moment and allows a disconnection. I like this, I like this thought. Birthed from this creative space, a chance for action, no longer reaction arises. This action is focused and thoughtful. This contemplative act of taking a deep breath is the foundation to access, and I uh, underlined, trust and balance. And it offers us an opportunity for peace. And Candy, when I get stressed, I actually do the meditative breath that they're talking about, and it's been a real game changer for me. Because of this chapter, I now will add the words when I'm doing the breath, trust and balance. It's a great tool. Again, some more tools you're giving us. On 67 and 68, the next thing that messengers start talking about is trust. And I love that you tell us these messages address learning how to trust the subtle clues behind guidance. And these can be so subtle, can't they? So yes. I like, yeah, they can. I like the um, June 18th message on page 68, comparing the, ener- the energy of trust to the scent of a flower. Can you tell us more about this since flower is so important, the main core of these messages? Yes, it is. This message brings in a couple of items, Donna. The first one is energy. And at this stage in my spiritual journey, I was learning that everything is energy, even trust. The message says there is an energy vibration associated with everything on the earth plane from human senses to thoughts to emotions. Also, I loved that they used the example of the scent of a flower. It brings us full circle back to that first message of us as humans being flowers, flowers of energy. If you think about it, even when we close our eyes, we can tell that flowers are nearby. Closing your eyes, you can smell roses or my favorite flower, gardenias. A scent is much subtler than sight or feel. It's, I think, a good analogy of how spirit usually operates. It's not an in-your-face presence or energy. It's subtle. It's indirect. It's delicate. But without a doubt, we can trust that something is close by when we smell it. You know, Donna, at this point in my spiritual journey, I was learning more and more about guidance. And this section showed me that just because that connection to guidance is subtle, it doesn't mean it's not important. I was learning how to quiet that chatter in my mind so that I could tap into that often soft, whispered wisdom of the messengers. Candy, that also was great alliteration. (laughs) Yes, the clue is to recognize that something subtle is happening, to quiet your mind in order to listen to the messages. And that's something I need to practice every day. That's a really good reminder. Let's go to pages 68 and 69. And what I like about this is that the messengers are giving you advice about how to deal with day-to-day life, not to block, but to allow the flow of energy. And it's not just lofty instructions from these higher sources, but things that help you with your busy life. I agree, Donna. These messages 
were showing me how I could reframe my daily life, my day-to-day practice. Instead of feeling, because I was working back then, overwhelmed by working sometimes 10 or 12 hours a day, I could step back and choose to look at things differently. I could feel valued. Instead of feeling frustrated that I had a dozen phone calls to return in one morning, I could look at it as appreciation. I'm appreciating those people sought some sort of input or answers from me. It was all about allowing those energies to flow through me. I learned not to use my ego or my personality as the decision maker, but let things unfold naturally. I also realized these were all opportunities for growth. The message talked about the importance of breath and how breathing can help you find balance. So once again, it's all about changing your perspective so that something that once was negative or it caused you anxiety, it could be a heads up. It could be a reminder, like Jill Bolte-Taylor talks about, that you are the one in control. You can learn to look at things differently. You can learn to act, not react. In fact, on page 69, the messengers say that how you perceive the incoming energies is what will determine what will happen. If we always remember that results follow beliefs. So reading from here, it says, we say your perception of the approaching energies is what will result in a neatly formed cue or a blockage. It's up to you. So if you allow the flow of energy to go through you, the outcome is better. It's richer. This goes back to the comments from Bolte Taylor's 90-second rule. Let it pass through you within that 90 seconds. Don't block it. Don't keep it within your field. Just breathe through it, let it pass, and then what remains is balance. You know, Candy, what I like to think of is another tool for us would be the three B's, if we can. We can call it breathe, balance, and become. And by become, I mean to unblock that. We can help others doing this by holding space for them. And then if you take a look on page 70... The real important September 17th, 2015 message. In the middle of the page, it talks about that. Uh, What did you learn from that about the holding space? The messengers say that holding space for others keeps them in supportive stillness. Mm -hmm. So if you hold the emotions of empathy and love, there's this, quote, natural tendency to connect with others from your heart. What the message told me was that the person or the people you're holding space for, well, their energy patterns become stronger and more stable. This was meaningful. The act of holding space, holding those higher vibrations within your field, that brings about entrainment. They didn't use the word entrainment, but that's exactly what they described. It's when one vibrational field changes to match a nearby energy pattern. When this happens, the patterns become congruent. They're strengthened. They're stable. They become aligned. 
You know, that makes me think of what I do in the acupuncture clinic. And the quickest way for me to support someone to hold that space is to use my tuning fork on them. So it's a vibration that they can feel, and it entrains their bodies to the ohm frequency we talked about in episode 14. And for people to know, deep breathing turns off the sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight system. So additionally, when I'm doing this, I'm taking a deep breath and I quietly hum. And these are vagus nerve exercises. And the vagus nerve is what allows us to calm down. So then I hit the tuning fork and they can be entrained also to my calmness. That's what I thought about when you were talking there. Let's go to page uh, 71. You say the messengers shared some practical advice on how to put these teachings into our day-to-day lives. And you say, if we begin each day from the authentic centers of our hearts, our paths would be cleared. And Dr. Joe Dispenza teaches us to do that, set our daily intentions before we even get out of bed. You also say that we get caught up in vicious cycle of false beliefs that limit who we are and therefore restrict our choices. Candy, if you remember, there were two important things that I learned from my NDE. They were about choices and surrender. But let me just talk about choice right now. And I want to emphasize, folks, you cannot give up your choice. And choices occur every second. And what we're doing, how we're thinking, every single second that we're doing it. We think first, and then we act on it. So you're going to pay attention to how you're thinking. And we can also tell what someone is thinking by, by how they choose to act and behave. So it's putting it all back on us. And that's not always easy to hear, is it? <laughs> nope, it is not easy at all. That's one of those inconvenient truths. It's so much easier to think that someone or something acted on us. And that's what or who to blame. But notice, Donna, the messages that you read on page 71 didn't come from the messengers. It's what I wrote. It's what I said. But I love the way these messengers work. If they had initially said we were the ones responsible for the dis-ease in our lives, I probably wouldn't have listened. No, I wouldn't have listened. I mean, who wants to hear that? But instead, slowly, day by day, they empowered us. We are the ones in control. And I was at the point where I was realizing their words, that we can change our perspectives. And when we do, things change. Not only the messages from them, but things like uh, the messages from Jill Bolte-Taylor. In this chapter, the messengers gently guided me until I was ready to accept and realize this inconvenient truth. But true to form, they gave me guidance on how to awaken ourselves, our authentic selves. On page 71, on that November 5th, 2015 message, they tell us exactly how to do that. They say, when you wake up each morning, you should go directly to your heart. They say that the heart is a center of stillness and peace that resides within the heart of each human that lives upon the earth. I was learning message by message of the importance of the heart. It is our connection to the divine. 
But as the messages say, some humans haven't awakened yet. They operate from their egos, their personalities, not their divine nature. And quite often, we don't even realize we have a divine nature. That's very true. And on that last paragraph on page 71, I love that the messengers say, people end up being detoured. They're taking a detour because of these beliefs, the false beliefs. And on the top of page 72, the messengers say, and I quote, all those beliefs create shadows and come between the human and the, the true path, which starts at home. And those beliefs prevent people from seeing the truth. And so I want to I share another little story with you. And that is many of the freshmen who came to my college classroom uh, were not aware of their own beliefs. You know, they're just coming from high school. They didn't know what to think or believe. They didn't even realize they were just mimicking someone, their, their parents or fellow students or teachers. So I did a writing exercise with them to help them process their own belief system. I, get, I would give them an assignment that causes them to think about their own thinking or to write about their own thinking. But it has to be on a specific topic. So I gave them a topic such as uh, legalizing all drugs, for example. And I give them an outline where they can start, but then they have to write using their own thinking, but come up with very specific solutions and then justify their, their positions by using academic sources. They usually come back later in the semester, maybe even a couple of years later, and they tell me that was the hardest and best assignment they ever had because they finally understood what they actually believed, not what someone was telling them. So, Candy, um, the next thing that kind of surprised me, <laughs> I want you to talk about, is that the messenger said there's no such thing as karma. What does that mean? I always thought we brought our deeds and our, you know, our karma with, with us. What do we, and that we learn from them. What is that about? Well, Donna, that was so new for me, too. Because I, you know, always thought that we bring our past, including our past lives, into this incarnation. But I think what they're talking about is things are evolving now. Okay. They have been telling me, actually for a long time, I didn't really understand it till now, that the world as we know it will change. Well, it has this is something that came to me as I reread this section and as I prepared for this chapter. And I think that the karma part is part of this new change. As we step into higher vibrational frequencies and as our earth goes through these changes, some of these old beliefs we have to look at. We are stepping into, and this is just coming to me right now, we are stepping into a different type of energy body and something that was significant in the past, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, may not be significant now. And part of that is karmic debt. We don't have to have that anymore because we are evolving. What I do know is that this chapter has empowered us and we realize that we really don't have to put ourselves in an energy field of anything other than perfection and divine order. So whether we've carried baggage with us from karmic debt or past lives, it's time for us to release that parachute that keeps us in neutral or actually drags us backward. 
it's time for us to step into the divinity of our true nature. If we look at the bottom of page 72, the messengers say, and I'm going to quote this last paragraph, it is time to awaken to who you really are. It's time to forgive yourself of your beliefs about past mistakes, past errors, past shortcomings, whether they occurred in this life or past lives. It is time to forgive others who have, in your belief system, performed injustices against you. It is time to awaken your own eyes and turn those eyes inward to the truth of who you really are. This is a lesson that is being learned by many humans across this earth as they awaken to their paths of authenticity. What I'm learning right now, including that message I just gave that was channeled, is we are different beings now. Yes, in the past, we had karmic debt. Yes, in the past, we took on issues that we dealt with in our past lives, but we don't have to now. Many of us do still carry that karmic debt because we haven't yet stepped into the true nature of who we are, which is divinity. This is part of the evolution of earth and part of our evolution as being humans. We are stepping into the true nature of who we really are. So now as I'm receiving this information, I'm realizing I get it. I get it now. We don't have to have karmic debt to pay for. We can cut those ties. And as we step into our divine nature, we let it all go. That was not what I expected to say, but uh, let's kind of move on. On page 73, the next page, I write that a few days later, actually four days later, I'm at the stop sign. And I look up and I see this beautiful, mature, bald eagle just regally perched on this light pole. And I realized this was a sign. Something, you know, that I may have dismissed in the past, like, oh, yeah, look at that cool bird. It's like, okay, this is a sign from the messengers. And as soon as I recognized that, then a message came. And not surprising, the message was a confirmation telling me how guidance works. It's like a nudge, like a soft breeze across the blossoms of a flower. And it says, quote, it is gentle, but ever present for those who are willing to tune into the frequencies. You know, Candy, not only do I love the message in the book, but I love that you just received uh, two messages from your guides this broadcast and it's a perfect way to end the chapter and it does remind me of Ecclesiastes where there's a time and purpose for everything Um, so you guys candy and the messengers have been teaching you through these four chapters these are you have so many tools and on the bottom of page 73 it says it best and I quote it is time to stop and no longer seek but allow it is time to no longer think but to feel. In order to feel the gentle guidance that is present, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath from the center of your heart. You know, Donna, I learned so much in this chapter. I learned what I previously identified as something that might be uncomfortable, something that caused me to fret or to worry or to fear. 
I learned that we have the ability to step outside of those emotions. We can reframe and become empowered by them. We can learn from them. By taking a larger perspective, we may not know what it is, but if you just trust that there is a larger perspective, we end up holding space for that magic to occur. We trust that guidance from our angelic team will lead the way. And it goes back to another tool, a tool that we've talked about, using our emotional guidance system. That emotional guidance system helped me identify these emotions as an opportunity to reframe and to regroup, to pause. This message and Jill Bolte-Taylor's tell us that we are the ones in control. We choose how we want to act. And it's like, I vow I am going to reduce my reactions. I'm going to think about that 90-second rule. And instead of reacting to it, I'm going to choose an action. It's all a matter, as this chapter talks about, of changing perspective. You know, Kenny, I used to teach my students this little phrase. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of your reaction to it. Oh, I love that. I I love that. (laughs) That is profound. I'm going to write that one down, Don. That's beautiful. Life is 10% of what happens to you, 90% of your reaction to it. And we took so long on chapter four because there's this to me is the one I, like I said at the beginning, I marked it up the most. I had, it, it spoke to me the most. But Reluctant Messengers, Unleashed Nation, and your homework is to read the entire chapter five, Cosmic Contacts, because we're going to cover, the whole chapter will be covered in episode 16. And from here on out, we're going to cover a ch- the chapter to the end of the book on each episode. We won't take as long as we've done for the first four. Or so we think. <laughs> so we think. <laughs> Man plans, God laughs. Right, right. This has been great, Donna. I want to thank you for hosting this. And I want to thank everyone else for joining us. And don't forget to share, like, love, comment, subscribe. Follow us on all of our social media. But don't forget this. Don't forget to join us on our other platforms. Donna has a podcast, Exploring Consciousness Podcast. You can find it on all major platforms. Or you can follow her on the uh, companion website, exploreconsciousness.com. You can find my other two channels on my website, candacesanderson.com. So until next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Reluctant Messenger. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, remember, how we use our personal energy is what defines us. Bring in those vibrations of love and gratitude and see how your life will change.